It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 32, if you have your Bibles. And uh, we're going to get there eventually. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to walk through a few things. Uh, we're actually going to be combining, I think it's like four or five different names uh, into the Daily Thunder this morning. And part of the reason is they all just kind of overlap. And uh, as I was looking at one in particular, uh, I just kind of kept finding some more that were related. So I said, oh, let's just put them all together. Uh, and just as a quick background, <clears throat> uh, this originally started, uh, I was going to do one of the names in a few sessions from now, uh, but this last Saturday we were on our alumni prayer call and uh, we were walking through, usually as a part of worship or whatever, uh, kind of a, a time of just reflecting on Christ. You know, we're, we give, we talk about God's names and his attributes and his promises and we're declaring them on our Zoom call. And one of our ladies, Kathy, uh, her microphone didn't work, and so she just typed it into the little chat box. And I was looking at this name, and I'm like, I have never seen that name. And so I had to research it out, and it was a, actually it was actually a hard one to figure out. I found some stuff online, uh, but I was coming to the conclusion, okay, someone just made this up because I couldn't find any resource or any scripture passage that actually had the name in it. Uh, and so finally, yesterday, I, I finally found it. It took me forever. It's in Deuteronomy 32. Uh, so we're going to get there <clears throat> eventually. Um, so I'm actually really excited to look at this name uh, because it's, it's rather cool. Or sorry, cool. Uh, but as we, before we even get there, I want to look at a variety of names that kind of lead up to the idea. And so here's a summary, if you will, of the names we're going to look at. It's the living God who brings forth and sustains life. So what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a couple of names and give you some key passages, and then I want to kind of tie it all together toward the end. Make sense? Uh, so the first one I want to look at is the name uh, or the word bara, which means creator. And obviously we know that our God is the creator God. Uh, that specifically the name Elohim that we've looked at previously, uh, the name Elohim is the name that's given in Genesis 1, that he is the creator God. He's the one that is speaking forth creation into existence. And we know from Paul that that is Jesus himself. But it's interesting as you look at this name Barah, uh, let me just give you a few key passages here. Isaiah 40 verse 28, do you not know and have you not heard the everlasting God, Elohim, Yahweh, the creator, Barah, of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unsearchable. Isn't that a great passage? And I love the fact that it just uses a whole variety of, of God's names in the passage itself. Uh, a few chapters later in Isaiah 43, <clears throat> Isaiah is writing and God is speaking. He says, I am Yahweh, your holy one, the creator, Barah, of Israel, your king. God says, you know who I am? I am not just the Holy One. I am the one who created and brought forth, and I'm the one that sustains Israel. I am your king. That, that, that I, I'm the one who brought all this all together. I'm the one who created this thing from the very beginning. And if you look at this idea of the creation idea, the idea of giving life, the idea of sustenance, and, and you come back into Genesis, I, I really love Genesis 2 verse 7, where it says that Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh God, Formed, meaning to form, to fashion, or create man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
And so the man became a living being. So how did humanity gain life? Well, we became living beings because the living God, the creator, spoke and breathed life into us. Isn't that a beautiful thought? So you have this overlapping of creation and life and living and sustenance and bringing forth and all of this contained in this idea. Uh, another of these names is Elohim Chaim. And by the way, I'm not doing the Hebrew justice, okay? So please don't throw anything at me. Um, but the name is the living God. Do you recognize that our God is the living God? So please contain your excitement. But that is phenomenal. Uh, look at some of this. First Samuel 17, uh, David is on the Valley of Elah, and he's coming up against this beast of a man named Goliath. And this is what he says. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who strikes down this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should reproach the battle lines of the living God? That's an interesting statement from David. Who is this guy that's mocking the living God? Or as you come into the Psalms, Psalm 84 verse 2, My soul has longed and even fainted for the courts of Yahweh. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Who is he? He is Elohim Chaim. That he is, he is the great living God. Or Daniel chapter 6, verse 20. Uh, this, is, this is when Daniel's thrown into the, the lion's den. <clears throat> the next morning, the king comes out and says this to Daniel. Uh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to save you from the lion's isn't it interesting that here's a pagan ruler of an empire who recognizes that here is this man, Daniel, and he's constantly serving the living God. Isn't that a beautiful, just, I just love that meditation. As you come to the New Testament, speaking about Jesus, Jesus is up in Caesarea Philippi, this northern region above the Sea of Galilee, and he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You're that Messiah, the son of the living God. Isn't that neat? Or as, as you get into chapter 14 of John, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the living God. In fact, he is life itself. And if you are wanting life, you have to go through Jesus who is life itself. Why? Because he is that living God. And just as a fun thought, uh, I love this meditation. Do you recognize that Jesus, as the living God, has risen from the dead? And I know that we sing the songs, Jesus is alive. But do you realize how phenomenal that is in our souls? Do you recognize that we have a God who is, right this moment, living? He is the living God. In, in Matthew chapter 28, the, the, the women had come to the tomb and the angel is speaking to the ladies. And the angel says this, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. 
do you recognize that Jesus has risen from the dead? Or, or, or look at what Paul says to Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Why is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead so critical to our lives? Do you realize that Paul makes it very clear that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, our faith would be futile. It'd actually be pointless. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith also is vain, meaning futile, it's empty, it's useless, it's pointless. Do you realize that the reason we can be bold, the reason we can have confidence, the reason we can have joy, the reason that we have great hope is because our Savior has risen from the dead. He is the living God who, yes, died for us and yet rose from the dead. So he was the living God. He still is the living God and forever will be the living God. Folks, our God is not dead. We do not worship statues. We worship a living God. And if you begin to recognize that had Jesus not raised from the dead, everything that we put our hope and trust in actually would be dumb. It'd be futile. Because what hope would there be for salvation? What hope would there be for eternal life if he did not raise from the dead? But because he rose from the dead, we can have exceeding joy. We can have great confidence. Why? Because salvation is available. Eternal life is guaranteed for those who put their faith, their hope in Christ Jesus. So the fact that our God has risen from the dead, this should cause you to stand up and cheer. Maybe not right now. But you should be just like, whoa, I serve a living God. That is not true for any other religion, folks. Our God is the living God. Please contain your excitement. But that's phenomenal. So tied in with this, not only is he the creator, he's the bara, right? He, he is the one that brought all things into, into being. He breathed life into our lives. That he is the living God and he rose from the dead. But think about this. He's also El Chaya. Or, is that? Nope. El Chaye. See, my Hebrew just needs some help here. But the name in, in Hebrew means the God of my life. So think about this. The creator God, the Bara, who is the living God, has become the God of my life. This is a beautiful progression. I, I just, this is a beautiful meditation of my soul. Psalm 42, verse 8. By day, Yahweh will command his loving kindness or his hesed. And by night, his song will be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He's the God of my life, folks. Or, or, or listen to this in Psalm 146, verse 1 and 2. Praise Yah. Praise Yahweh, O my soul. I will praise Yahweh throughout my life. I will sing praises to God while I have my life. Or, or, or listen to this. Paul picks up this thread in Galatians 2.20. Listen to this. This idea that God is my life. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What is he saying? Christ is my life. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Or perhaps more clearly stated, I love this statement in Colossians. Paul in Colossians 3 verse 3 and 4 says, For you died and your life has been hidden with Christ in God. And then listen to this. When Christ, who is our life, is manifested, then you will also be manifested with him in glory. Paul says, do you know who, who Jesus is? Jesus is our life. He doesn't merely just give us life. He is our life. He's the God of my life. So let me give you another one. I'm not going to try to pronounce this one. <laughs> I was... I'm like, there's no way. <clears throat> but the name means the God who sustains me. So here is the creator God, who is the living God, who is our life, and he's the one that sustains us. So look at Psalm 3, verses 4 through 6. I was calling to Yahweh with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and I slept. I awoke, for Yahweh sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who all around have set themselves against me. Do you realize that there's no reason to fear? That there's no reason to be pushed around? There's no reason to walk in worry or anxiety. Why? Because the living God who lives inside of you through his spirit sustains you. So why would you fear? Or, or as Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6 says, he will never, ever, 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 ever leave or forsake you. So what, what do I have to fear? He's the one that supplies. He's the one that provides. He's the one that sustains our lives. Or, or look at Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden upon Yahweh, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> so that brings us to the name that I was originally introduced to last week, which was El Cool. <laughs> which you got to admit, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you just got to do the at the front, right? So El Cool. Cool. <clears throat> but this is what it means. This is, this is actually really beautiful. It means the God who gave you life. Or the God who brought you forth. It's the God who gave you birth. And that word, cool, means, this is a little weird in my head, but it means to twist, to whirl, or to dance. Yet it means to writhe, to fear, to tremble, travail, to be in anguish. It means to be pained or bring forth. It means to calve or to be in labor. And the idea means, actually, it's like the idea of birthing. So I have no idea why twirling, whirling, and dancing is also associated with the pain and the travail and the anguish of childbearing. However, it's used in both ways in Scripture. It's a delightful thought. So the word, or the name itself, this idea that God is the one who brings me forth, God is the one who gives me life, it shows up in Deuteronomy chapter 32. And at the, at the beginning of chapter 32, there's this phenomenal statement. In fact, we brought it up earlier when we were looking at this idea that God is the rock. Right, that he's the refuge, that he's the fortress, that he's the high tower idea. 
But in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, it says, The rock, his way is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So Moses, in this song that he's giving in the middle of Deuteronomy, declares this idea that our God is a rock. Hey, you can stand securely upon him. He's our refuge. He is our high tower. He is just and righteous. And then it's really interesting that a few verses later, he says this. This is Deuteronomy 32, verse 18. You, O Israel, neglected the rock which begot you, and you forgot the God who brought you forth. Isn't this interesting? God is our rock. He is supplied. He is provided. He has given everything you needed. And then what did Israel do? Neglected him. And the very one that brought them forth, they just kind of went, Psst. Do you realize how often we do that? Here is God who has given us everything we need for life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3 And the God who has given you everything you need for life and godliness, the one that has really brought you forth, the one that gave you birth, the one that has given you life, it's like we just went, psst. Yeah, I'm going to go over here and do this thing. And Israel, we look back at the Old Testament and we're like, Israel, how could you be so dumb? I mean, if I was there, I would not do what you did. And yet, we do do what they did. That, that God has given us the supply. God, is a, God has provided us his life as the rock of our lives. And then we go and we tremble and we walk in fear and anxiety. What are you doing? Neglecting the rock. God says, hey, I, I want to provide for you. I want to give you life and I want to give you victory and triumph over sin. And then what do we do? We, we run and we go indulge ourselves in lust or, or greed or pride or, or whatever it may be. Isn't it a sad thought that the one who is just and righteous and upright, the one who is a rock, the one that actually supplied and brought forth Israel is the very one that they neglected? Uh, Here's a couple commentators on on this idea or this passage. One of them says, God here is pictured both as a father who begot and as a mother who gave you birth. It's an interesting insight. So take that and look at this. Uh, One commentator, Christopher Wright, says this, that Israel had abandoned, rejected, and deserted their creator and savior God and had gone after other gods, demonic, unknown, upstart, upstart, non-God gods, as you see in verse 16. The offensiveness of such behavior is underlined again by reference to the parenthood of God. In verses 4 and 6, the pictures of God as rock and as father are distinct. In verse 18, they are dramatically combined into a single metaphor. But the parent metaphor itself is extended to include both genders. God is both the one who fathered Israel and the one who gave you birth, both father and mother of the people. The combination of roles makes the point even more strongly. So get this. Here's here's the punchline. To dishonor and disobey one's human father and mother was a covenant offense that carried the death penalty. And it's like Moses in this song is speaking for God and he says, look, do you, do you recognize that God who is our rock has fathered you? In fact, he birthed you like a mother. And what have you done? You've done the very thing that technically by law you should be killed for. 
I really like this statement by Matthew Poole. He says this, God adopted you to be his people and has showed you as much care and kindness to you as if he had begotten you. That even though we are adopted, do you realize that he treats us as if we are a natural born heir? So do you recognize what travesty it is when the God who literally brought us forth and gave us life, we just... So take that, look at it in the positive sense. Do you realize that our God, the creator God, the living God, the one who gives life, who is life and sustains our life, is the one bringing life in you? And that is such a marvelous thought that we actually don't have to neglect him. We don't have to shun him. That we can actually think about this, grow in great relationship and intimacy with the living God. That even if we have a past that's like ancient Israel, where we have neglected our God, we from this point forward can actually grow in intimacy and relationship with the living God himself. I want to give you a couple passages in Scripture. These are such great meditations for this idea that God is the one who who has brought you life. Listen to this. In Isaiah 43, it says, But now, thus says Yahweh, your creator, the Barah, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. So this is what God is saying. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flames burn you. For I am Yahweh your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do you realize that he is the one who has redeemed you, who has called you by name? Or look at what Jeremiah says when he's looking at this calling of God that he had on his life. He, he, he says this, or he's reflecting on what, what God was saying to him. He, and God was saying, before I formed you in the innermost parts, and there was, while you were still in the womb, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I set you apart. I have given you as a prophet to the nations. Do you realize how precious we are in the sight of God? That is so weird to me. Because we are Nothing. We are a mere flux of dust. That we are full of pride and sin. And yet, even in your mother's womb, God knew you. Which tells you what? You're not an accident. Now, your parents may have said you're an accident. But in God's eyesight, you are not an accident. And folks, that's good news. Isn't it? Uh, Look at what Psalm 139, verse 13 through 18 declares. Speaking to God, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unshaped substance, and in your book all of them were written, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them. 
How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How vast is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Are you hearing this? God knows you. He he intimately knows you. Why? Because he's the living God who brought you forth. He knows the depth of you. And yes, though we may have neglected him, and yes, though we may have just in his face, do you realize that his desire is actually for us to grow in intimacy and relationship with himself? I've been pondering on this idea of all week about the God who gives me life. I love how in the Old Testament, the declaration is, wow, God, you have formed me. You have knit me together. You have given me life. And then as you get into the New Testament, this thing ramps up to a whole nother level. And it's not just that God has given us life. God has given us life. Uh, Jesus in John 10, I have not come, right? The thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, not just any kind of life, but life abundant. This is real life stuff, folks. So think about it this way. God gave you life and then gave you a second life or a second birth. Or we say you've been born again. But there is another level of life that you, that you are given by God. Why? Because of him. I was in the middle of the night and one of the Pharisees Name Nicodemus, uh, came to Jesus and he had some questions. And of course, you know, as, as a religious leader, he didn't want to be necessarily seen out in the daylight. So he, he meets with Jesus in the nighttime and listen to, to how John 3 begins. And we know John 3 16, right? But, but listen to the very beginning of this conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus. <clears throat> John records it in John 3, verse 1 through 7. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So let me give you two different words really quick in the Greek. There's this idea of biology. It's the Greek word bios. And we're all given bios. Right? You were born. Please nod your heads. Right? So you came out of the womb and you were given life. You're giving bios. So the living God gave you bios. And whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, you have a gift from God. It's called life. But then that living God who came to the cross and died for your sin rose from the dead so that you might not just have bios life, but that you may have zoe life. And the word zoe is this idea of, it's, it's every time the word eternal life shows up, it's not, never bios. It's always zoe. It, it's that spirit-given life. It's the eternal life stuff. 
Uh, one one uh, friend of mine described it this way. He said, if you think of an electric cord, right, like say to a lamp, the, the actual cord is the bios. It's the physical thing. But there is an electric current of life that runs through it. What is that? The zoe. It's the thing that empowers. It's the thing that actually brings it life. If you want to see the light of a lamp, you need the electricity. If you want to see the reality of the human life, you don't just look at the outward shell, the bios. You have to, you have to see the reality of what you were made for, which is the living God living in you. And so here's Jesus saying, Nicodemus, do you recognize that, that I've come that you might have life, but you have to be born again. You, you have to receive a second life. That yes, you have this bios thing. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with this, folks. God made this, called it good. Praise the Lord. He made taste buds. And yet, do you recognize that you, if all you ever have is bios, you're actually lacking the very essence of life itself because you need God. And so because Jesus went to the cross and rose from the, from the grave, do you realize that he did everything necessary to forgive you of your sins so that the God of the universe could come and live inside of your life and be your life? So now in the midst of your bios, now you can have the zoe flowing and living through you. And folks, that's how we were made. You weren't just made as this physical shell. You were made to be the, the very uh, vessel through which the God of the universe could show himself through you. Do you not know that you are to be the temple, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit? Do you not recognize that you have the living God living inside of you? Do you not recognize that we are to be the image bearers of the living God? That when the world looks at your life, they don't, they don't see you, they see him. Why? Because they see him in you. And that's, you're never going to pull that off because it's a fake it till you make it thing. This isn't like, okay, let me show you God. Uh, that, does, that doesn't work. How, how are you going to demonstrate God? How are you going to be an image bearer? When the living God gets inside of you and show force his life through you. And so Jesus talking to Nicodemus says, you need that. And you have all this intellectualism. Hey, you have all this information. Hey, you're a great teacher of the law. But, but Nicodemus, you need life. We're not talking life, not the breathing kind of life, the bios life, the, the fleshy kind of life. We're, we're saying you need, the, you need the life of God living in you. So I want to read John 3.16, and I want you to hear it afresh. For Elohim Chaim, the living God, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting zoe. Do you realize that the creator God, the bara, the, the one who is the living God, who sustains and gives life, doesn't just want to give you life, he wants to give you life. He actually wants to give you himself. He actually wants to be your life. And God is to be my life, as Colossians 3.3 says. That, that he doesn't want to just merely give life. He wants to be life in and through me. So that he can showcase his life to the world around me. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 1. 
He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Do you realize you have been chosen even before God spoke creation into existence? You are not an afterthought. You are not an accident. That God created you with a purpose and he has been waiting for 6,000 human years for you to show up on the scene right now. Isn't that a great thought? Uh, we've often said around here that of all the eras of human history, that you could, if you could pick one to, to live in, you know, like, like going back to Jane Austen days, you know, where it's like, okay, let's, let's take a stroll around the drawing room, you know? And you're like, I don't know why they would walk around a drawing room. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it seems boring in my head. <clears throat> but, you know, you look at different eras and you're like, that one seems easier. That one seems... If you look at the days in which we live, things seemingly are getting worse. Things are getting dark. Do you realize that if you get to pick a time to live, those would be the seasons you'd want to pick? Why would you want to pick the easy days? Why, why would you want to pick times when they're easy? Now, we, we do live in an easy era. I get that. But things seem to be getting worse. And isn't it a beautiful thought that God, for whatever reason, in, in his providence and his sovereignty, said, oh, I can't wait for you to show up on the scene right now at the point of your greatest strength. See, you're not 100 years old, and nor are you five years old. That, that you're in this age span where you are in your, your years of strength. Meaning what? He wants to use you in this generation. Now, he doesn't need you. He has angels. But he wants you. And the same God, the living God, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who, who chose you even before the foundations of the world, do you realize that he has a purpose and a plan for your life? Again, you're not an accident. Uh, you didn't show up on the scene and God goes, oh, no, what are we going to do with you? Uh, okay, here's a project. Uh, dig a hole. Now fill it in. Okay, come over here. Uh, dig a hole. Fill it in. And you're like, this seems like a waste of time. God's like, at least, at least you're doing something. See, that's not God's. Do you recognize that God has a divine purpose and plan for your life? That he knows you intimately. That, that he formed you in your mother's womb. That, that there's no accident in any of this. Do you realize that your gender is purposeful? Culture. It's going crazy. But folks, biblically, you cannot say, well, God made a mistake. He doesn't make mistakes. He knits you together in your mother's womb with your personality, with your quirks, with your oddities. And let me tell you, you have them. <laughs> Especially Rudy. But, I mean, <laughs> it's true, but... <laughs> But do you realize you have your quirks and your personality and your talents and your, that, that God was making you together and says, I, I need someone just like you because what God has for you, no one else can fulfill. Which means if you are not doing what God is, God is leading you into, there's no, there's no replacement for that. Why? Because God has a distinct purpose and plan for you. 
So you are not an accident. You've been chosen before the foundations of the world. He has a plan and the living God wants to be your life and show forth his life through you to the world. Are you getting this? That's phenomenal. So if I can put a bow on all of this that we've been talking about, the bara, the creator, who is Elohim Chaim, the living God, and the God of my life, the El Chaye, who sustains me, is the one, El Chul, who gave me not just bios life, but he died and resurrected so I might experience eternal life, the Zoe. Let me just read it again without all the stuff. The creator, who is the living God, the God of my life, is the one who sustains me. And the one who gave me not just bios life, but died and resurrected so I might experience eternal life. And what would it look like if I saw the fact that he is the living God and he wants to be my life? He doesn't just want to give life, he wants to be life and wants to shine forth his life to the world around me. We looked at this yesterday with the students, but 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And we were talking about that idea of identity. I, I love this verse because the, the undertow of this verse is the fact that, that if all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, it's like there has been a line drawn in the sand. And who I once was is not who I now am. Praise the Lord. And yeah, I may look the same and I may smell the same, but I am not the same. And the reality is, is for so many of us, we see our identity in the things that we once were, not who we now are. So I, I, I see myself as, oh, I'm the recovering alcoholic. I see myself as the, oh, I'm the one who's getting over pornography. I, I see myself as the one who is addicted to video games. I, I see myself as the one who is just obsessed with cigarettes. I see myself as the, and whatever it may be in your own life. And so we, we see our lives through the identity of the sin rather than realizing that stuff has gone away in Christ Jesus. And in Christ, my new identity is Christ. Behold, all things are made new, folks. I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. So there's been a radical shift that's taken place in my life where who I once was is not who I now am. And wouldn't it be a phenomenal, and we said this yesterday, but wouldn't it be phenomenal if, if, if I saw my identity as Jesus Christ, that when the temptations that used to always pull me and sabotage me, what if I begin to recognize that they actually have no authority or power in my life? Why? Because that's not who I am now. Yeah, that may be who I once was, but that's not who I am. So I'm not a recovering alcoholic. Well, what am I? I'm not an alcoholic. And yes, I, I was a sinner saved by grace. And I'm not perfect. I get that. But folks, biblically, if you come to Christ, you're no longer a sinner. Biblically, you're called a saint. Which are not the little people we put on the walls. A saint 
the word is just, it's a holy one. It's one who's been set apart. It's one who's living for Christ. So do you realize then, I'm not, yes, yes, I am a sinner saved by grace. Praise the Lord for that. But folks, that's no longer my identity. I'm no longer a wretch. Oh, I'm a son of the King of Kings. I'm beloved, folks. I'm a saint. So as you get into the, into the epistles and Paul writes to the saints and fellow brethren, who's he writing to? Us. If you're in Christ Jesus. Why? Because that is our identity. Is this making any sense? And wouldn't it be phenomenal if the living God could come into whatever it is that you've dealt with in the past and so radically change you that you go from death unto life. And your identity is now in him. Old things truly have passed away. Behold, all things truly are new. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. This is great news, folks. That the creator God who gave, who breathed life into my, in my, in my lungs, who, who, who brought forth the spirit of God in my life, is not just the living God, the one who rose from the dead, but he's the one that is my life itself. That he sustains me. Not just for the first birth, but even more so for the second. Let me just end with this. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, or his hesed, has caused us, listen to this, he's caused us to be born again right? It's life anew to a living hope. How? Oh, through the resurrection or the life of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, having been kept in heaven for you. You have a living hope. Why? Because you have a living God. Can I encourage you to see that God, his name is Jesus, as your life? And not just that he gives you life, praise the Lord for that, but that he wants to be your life. And wouldn't it be incredible that if he could take your little life, which is not that impressive? Because folks, our lives are not that impressive. But is it possible that the living God who is impressive could take your weak vessel known as you and shine forth himself through it into a dark and damned world, actually show forth life? That in the midst of darkness, he could be light through you. And do you realize what a privilege it is Not just to have a ticket to heaven. If that's the reason you have Jesus, that's the wrong reason to have Jesus. The reason to have Jesus is because it's Jesus. That you have the living God. And as a believer, that living God has come to live inside of you. Do you know what a privilege that is? Do you know what a joy that is? Do you realize that you can grow in intimacy and relationship and oneness with the living God? Why? Because his spirit lives in you. 
oh, I want that. I want this thing to keep getting better. I want to experience more and more of his life. I want to demonstrate more and more of his life. Don't you? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that, that we have been born again, that we have life anew. And because of you, the living God, who is the creator, who, yes, brings life, but sustains life, yes, but is also the one who is our life, you are our living hope. And Lord, Paul is right. Had you not risen from the dead, our faith would be pointless. It would be useless. It would be dead. Because we would have no salvation. Because we would have no hope. But because you, the living God, are alive, and not just alive, but alive in us, wow. Lord, thank you that you knit us together in our mother's wombs. Lord, thank you that we are not an accident, that we were not a mistake, that, that our makeup, our, 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 our gender, our, our personality, our, our, our talents and our quirks and our, our oddities, yes, they all must be submitted under you and under your authority. And, and Lord, if you want to tweak my personality, if you want to change my oddities, please, please do. But Lord, whether you do or don't do, Lord, they are yours to use. And they're not by accident. And Lord, somehow could you use how you have made us to be a demonstration of your life to this world. And Lord, what a great privilege we have in these days to be Christians. That we get to experience the fullness of your life. And yet we get to be the vessels through which you, the living God, want to shine forth, show forth your life to this world. So, Lord, I just want to humbly come before you and freshly submit my life, my lips, and say, would you declare your life through me? Would you take your gospel? Would you take the truth of your word? Would, would you take the reality of Christ, that Christ and him crucified would be the message on my mouth, would be the demonstration of my life, and you, oh, the living God, would you show forth your life through me? And Lord, I don't want to just have life. Lord, I want you to be my life. So Lord, would you become central? Would you be preeminent? Could I fix my eyes on you? And as Paul declared, Christ, who is my life, Lord, could that be the undertow? Could that be the, the mantra of my life? That I am crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in and through me. Lord, thank you for such, a, such an opportunity. Thank you for such a privilege and joy. Not just to have a ticket to heaven, but to experience you life itself. I give you the praise and the glory. We love you. In your precious name, amen.
Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.